Worship doesn't just happen here, but in life, that we, we serve an audience of one. Um, there, there's one, one that we're accountable to, and that's our Creator. And uh, it's hard sometimes in this world we live in that, uh, that always uh, pushes its own authority over our lives, what, what we owe it, what we owe this or that, what our obligations are here or there. It's, it's a subtle thing that continually pushes against our choices and our, our um, direction in life. And yet this morning as we we're gathered here singing with you all, it's reminding me again that we serve an audience of one. An audience of one. And everything we do this morning, our prayer is that it's glorifying to God because that's what we're doing here today. We've been talking for the last few weeks about discipleship. <clears throat> and... Um, we, you know, it happens in unexpected ways sometimes, discipleship does. Uh, but we've been talking about the idea that sometimes we come and we get involved and, or, and we, we hear the word and we respond to the word and then we're just kind of left there hanging out. And not much happens after that. And it's a, it's a truncated gospel message. It says, you'll bring you here and then leave you there forever and just wait until the rest of the people can get saved so we can all go to heaven together, you know, and the world can go to hell. And, and there's a difficulty in that because it's not the gospel. And that's where our, our, uh, we fall short sometimes. So what is amazing as we journey, we think, you know, do you ever, do you ever, uh, do you ever head ever start to hurt from big thought? You know, because the truth is that God is unconceivable, right? <clears throat> that God is, is beyond our comprehension, beyond our expression, beyond words. The Hebrews had said he was, you know, Yahweh. But they would never say that. I mean, it was, he, he's beyond expression, and, and sometimes we can get so caught up in this, so, so trying to figure it out, I can, or I'll just confess it, that it, it's, it's, it's unattainable, and, and you just feel overwhelmed. And then God does these things. He moves in ways. Um, and I say to you every Sunday, did you all get a bulletin? I apologize for my voice. I'm not sure why it's doing this to me this morning. <laughs> did you all get one of these this morning? <clears throat> we work on these uh, every week. We put some thought and some effort into this, trying to be intentional about, about the, uh, the message we're conveying. And, and we, we, you know, we have great designs. We have great ideas. We have great plans or whatever. And I just love how God uses things in spite of us. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Not yet, but I appreciate it. Um, but how God uses uh, these things in spite of us. And actually, I, so I, was, I, was, I was looking for inspiration last night and I found it in a trash can. Not inspiration for the whole message, so people go, oh, what are you talking about? We've been planning this message for weeks. But I want to show you what I pulled out of the trash can. Can you hit that next slide for me? I found this in the trash can at my home last night. And um, this is from the 3rd of August, the worship service we did. If you remember, we talked about the mirror and, and how the word of God is reflection. And I always say to you, and I'm, I'm so sincere in this, I say you should get this because this is your engagement space for your time here. If you are bored stiff with the sermon, God be praised, he might be trying to speak to you in some other way. And I, would, I always say I encourage you to doodle, I encourage you to write, I encourage you to do things. Well, this happens to be something that I found in my trash can that my son John doodled while I was preaching some profound message on the word being a mirror. <laughs> right? And we were, it was great, man. And, and I look at this thing and I'm like, what? And I asked him if I could show this to y'all because it's quite a violation here. And, and, and I'm, I'm looking at this. See, Matt did the artwork for this week. And I'm just thinking, look at the cross, right? Well, this is what blew me away. I flipped it over. And if you look at the other side of this, <laughs> it's the resurrection. 
and, and I realized that um, for all of our planning and all of our, all of our, our good intentions or, or what have you, God is speaking. This is, this is to my son. He's just speaking these words. We see, we're talking about a mirror that we reflect in, and he's reflecting on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God be praised for that. And so sometimes I, I say that, and I mean it sincerely. How, Matt says it too. How, whatever you have to do this morning to engage with the living, speaking, moving God, we encourage you to do that because he is here, and he is beckoning you. He is calling you by name, and I hope you're listening this morning for that. So we're going to get on to today's message, and uh, I just give a praise to God for those hugs he gives like that, reminding us how he's caring for us. As we talk about discipleship, I'm always reminded of, of my experience right after coming to faith in Christ and, and, and what I, the journey I went on, you know. And as much as I might like to lambast the church for not moving, we're not really arguing with the church when we're saying the church isn't doing its job. We're arguing with God, right? Because God is moving in our lives, and that's the truth. And so whenever um, we are, uh, even in the criticism of how we leave folks at the salvation moment, right, we should be careful. I should be careful because it's a criticism of the living God who is moving people through. And this is my testimony. I remember this story from early on in my faith walk, right? I, had, I was a brand new Christian, maybe a, a week or two, right? And this was a long journey for me to become a Christian and really, really, really believe it and really, really, really commit to it and really sell out to it. And I thought this was the big decision, you know? And I made this big decision and I was riding the bus downtown to work and I was reading my Bible. It had become a habit of mine um, in the short weeks that I had been a Christian. I started just to read, just, to, just to, to thrive and love the Word. And I was reading the Word, and someone came up next to me and sat down on the bus and started the conversation. And they said, what are you reading? And I go, oh, goodness. <laughs> I, I knew I shouldn't have my Bible out on a bus, <laughs> you know. And I was like, no, I'm really not reading it until I can talk to you. I'm really just reading it because I want to read it. And, uh, you know. and he's like, no, 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 explain to me. Uh, and we started to have this conversation about our faith journeys. And I found in him a kindred brother. And I was just like, wow, he's sharing his journey. He's going on and on. And I'm going, yeah, okay, God, thank you for bringing this guy in to speak into my life right now. I really appreciate it. It's so cool. We're, it's a 40-minute ride downtown, right? Not that long. He's just giving me this testimony and talking about how Jesus moved in his life and this and that. And he says, but then one day I realized it wasn't enough. And thank God, the brakes went on my brain, like, what? <laughs> and then the whole conversation just turned. Yeah, I used to believe that too, but it wasn't enough for me. It wasn't enough. And so he started, to, and I started thinking, okay, now, see, I've talked about how Paul was always open to truth, and I knew that God had revealed truth to my stubborn, cold, dead heart. And so I thought, Lord, if this man is speaking truth, I want you to reveal that to me. I want to know that truth. I don't want to be afraid of a question. I don't want to be afraid of someone who's journeyed further down the road than I have. And so I started to listen to him, and I was trying to be open as much as I could, but everything in my spirit was screaming, no, 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 slow down. The Holy Spirit was screaming, slow down. And I started to listen. And at the end of the bus ride, he said, well, all I can say is, I hope it's enough for you. It wasn't enough for me. And got off the bus. And I turned to God, and I shook my fist and said, how dare you? I just got here. And this guy shows up challenging my faith. <laughs> I'm like, three-week Christian, Lord. What are you doing? 
And I, and I, I stayed in that posture, a posture of prayerful anguish with God. And I just waited to hear the response, to listen to the promise that he had for me. And I don't know, has it ever happened for you? Have you ever had someone just throw you for a loop in your, in your faith life? Just you're on track and just the whole, the carpet they say is pulled off from under you. And you just go, what? What are you doing? And, I, and, and, you know, God be praised in that moment. I knew not to talk to this person about why he did this to me, but speak to the ever-living God who moves all things, does all things, is, is discipling all people. And, and then I can say to him, what are you doing with this situation? I don't know if you've had that experience. I've had it several times. So we're going to talk this morning about the same text we talked about last week. I want to go back to it because there's something that, that we didn't get to talk about at all. And I want to I share that with you this morning. But uh, as we begin, let's start where we always start, praying to God for wisdom and insight. Father God, we thank you for the day, <laughs> this day today. We thank you that we are here uh, for whatever circumstances, Lord. Whether, whether we were eager beaver this morning or whether we were dragged here uh, kicking and screaming. We just praise you that we're here now. Pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would dwell richly among us. Help us discern truth from lies. Help us to see you. Help us to hear you. And uh, Father God, that we might, we might know something of the all-sufficiency of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And today, Lord, we'll offer you praise in his holy name. Amen. We're going to turn again to Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. I think that's on page 694 again, if you're using one of our Bibles. This is the, known as the Great Commission, right? It's this great sending out moment with the disciples of Jesus. And we've been spending the last five weeks talking about discipling and being a disciple and disciple making. And so I'm just going to read this text again to you. We read the same one last week. I'm going to read it again. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And last week we spent a lot of time talking about go and make disciples of all nations, right? We, we got into all the Greek, which was a lot of fun, you know, baptizing that, that continual immersion in the name of the Father, Pater, and the Son, Huyos, and the Holy Spirit, right? And, and, and what does that look like? How do we do that? And then teaching them to obey everything that's commanded, commanded to us to teach. And, and, and we spent so much time on that. But here's, here's a, um, a Bible study tip I picked up. Someone was very gracious to me a long time ago. And, and um, they said, something you should always watch for in a text is therefore, right? Because we started last week with the, the text 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I got to tell you the truth here. I kept trying to skip the therefore, but it's the hardest thing to do. <laughs> it's right there in your face, the therefore. I kept starting with the go. Because you remember this, the go. The cover work this week is the go, right? And so this is the tip that I was given. You have to ask yourself, what's the therefore, therefore, right? What's the therefore, therefore? 
Why is that such an important part of this text? And we didn't even touch it last week at all because I wanted to come back this week and really get the point of the text together, the holistic view here of this text. Therefore, go and make disciples, he says, of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is talking here. We have to know something about context, but we're going to back up right quick and just say this. Here's the therefore. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus professes to his disciples, right? But what's the bigger context he's speaking into? I want to talk about that for a minute. If we go back here, if you just look at the beginning of 28, it was the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. This was the prophet who had come and spoke profoundly. He had done miracles in the name of God. He did all these great things, and then he had died on a cross, totally not expected by anyone who was following him. You'll recall the disciples were scattered after that moment in time, right? And then here's the resurrection. Jesus is raised from the dead, and this is, of course, we said it last week too, but this comes after the resurrection, this Jesus coming and speaking this message of the Great Commission to his disciples. And not only that, but there's this little set of verses here between 11 and 15 that talks about what began to happen because you see something, they had done something with the resurrection. They had heard there was concern that Jesus had been saying some things that some people thought might mean he was going to be raised from the dead, right? There was some folks who were starting to hear that message and so they had sent some guards to guard the tomb and seal the tomb of Jesus Christ to show, to prove, to guarantee he is in the tomb, he is dead, he is not coming back. That was their, their hope. That was their hope. But of course, we read the resurrection and the earthquake in verse 2. It says, there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. And then these two women show up at the tomb and they're looking for Jesus. They've just come to kind of pay homage to the grave and the tomb is open and the grave is empty and the angel is there and he says, he is not here, he is raised right? Well, if you look at the verse between 11 and 15, you see there's this, there's this counterplot going on because these guards who were supposed to be watching the tomb at the risk of their own life have failed at their jobs. And they run and the report gets back to the chief priests what had happened when the guards came and told them. And they began to conspire and tell this, you are to say, it says in verse 13, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep, okay? And in this report, if this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. This is the promise they're making to the soldiers who had failed their job to keep the tomb sealed. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. So there's this counterplot, and it even says here, and the story is being widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. So here's this context that Jesus comes and speaks into. Now I want to look at the beginning of the, this uh, verse 16. The 11 disciples went to Galilee. Why did they go to Galilee? Why did they go to Galilee? Look up above in verse 10 it says, uh, Don't be afraid, Jesus says to the two women on the road. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. So here the disciples are the disciples of Jesus Christ, who are destitute, their Lord is dead. They hear this message from the women, which, by the way, they don't really believe, but yet they go to Galilee as they're instructed. They're still obeying Jesus in his death. They've not yet seen him alive, right? And so they go on to Galilee, it says. They went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Now look at what happens. When the disciples see Jesus, right, they worship him, but some doubted. And, and that worship we talked about before, it's pros, prosu, 
I got my notes here, but it means to roll over and lick the hand like a dog. It means it's full submission. We're talking about that today. Fully submitting to Jesus Christ. This is the response of the disciples when they see him alive. Even in their journey to Galilee, they, they had no way to know, no way to know that Jesus was going to be there. They were moving in faith. And when he they roll over and they worship him. They just give it up because here he is. But look at the next verse, some doubted. Now, I think this is kind of a funny thing because you've got the government trying to prove that the body was stolen and they're blaming the disciples who don't believe it themselves. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, even the ones who are being blamed, you guys took the body and they're like, we can't believe it either, you know? We're talking about the faith this morning here. I mean, these guys couldn't even believe it still. And some doubted, and that means they were double-minded. You know, they're like, they double-took. They go, what, what? You're alive? While some of them are on the ground, awestruck by the great God. It's big news. It's big news. And then this is the context that Jesus starts to speak into. Jesus came to them, it says, but it means he drew near to them. Even those who were doubting in that moment, those who were worshiping, he drew near to all of them. And he started to speak this profound truth as the resurrected Savior, as one who is dead but is now alive, right? He comes and he starts to speak into the life. And he says this, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. That's the therefore. That's why the therefore is there. Because all authority, everything of all time, he's saying, each and every. It's the same thing when it says, you know, I desire to all be saved. Each and every one. It's the same thing here. All authority in heaven and on earth. Uranos, right? And earth. And you see, here's, here's a difficulty. I think sometimes our discipleship falls short because we really don't believe that. We really don't believe that. We believe that Jesus has heaven under control. We believe he's sitting on his throne like this, right? And the people are singing to him, and he's in control, and he's got his enemies for his footstep, theoretically, of course, because they're not there yet, right? We have this idea that he's got heaven completely under control, but man, earth, Lord, is going to hell in a handbasket. And that's not what he says. He says to his disciples who would dare to believe, who would dare to follow him here to this mountaintop experience. By the way, a few of these happen in Jesus' life where he gathers folks at the mountaintop to say something profound. And he calls them in there and he tells them all authority, that's all the ability to decide, all the decisions, everything, everyone, all of it, everything in heaven and everything on earth. You have to understand the profoundness of this message. I'll tell you why this is important to understand. We're talking about family groups, right? And we're going to go into this family group study of the book of Acts. The book of Acts is only so profound and powerful because it's got the power of God in it, right? Some people call it the Acts of the Disciples, the Acts of the Apostles. No, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's this great, great movement of God. You get caught up in a movement of God. You cannot help but go along. You're just dragged along in the current, with the great God, you're swept up. And he's saying here, all authority in heaven and on earth 
right here where you stand, right here, terra firma. That's what it means, the soil, the dirt. Right here, I'm standing here, I'm resurrected from the dead, and all the authority is given to me. Now, you see, the therefore matters a lot. Because he says, because this is true, because I've been given all authority on heaven and earth, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. This becomes a profound, a, a uh, uh, what do you call that? A paradigm shift, <laughs> right? Just everything for these disciples. He was on the cross dead and whoo, and he shows up and he's saying, I am here, I have authority and you are now to go. Guess what? I got really excited about the word go. I told you I get excited about these words in the text, right? The word go is the same word that we find in 16 where it says went. It's beautiful because the disciples have been going the whole time. Just probably on the way to, the, to Galilee, they were going like this. But they were still going, you know? The same word is used there in the Greek. Go and make disciples. I was kind of hoping it was one of these great new commands like go, like maybe it's the only time it's found, you know, or something. No, it's the same word. The disciples have been walking with Jesus. The disciples are obedient to Jesus in his death. And when they show up and he's alive in the flesh, he says, therefore go. Continue the journey. Keep walking. That's literally what it means. Continue your journey. Keep going and make disciples of all nations, right? There's a new authority on heaven and a new authority on earth. He's saying, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We talked about that last week and teaching them to obey everything, everything that I've commanded you. See, there's a, there's a few things, cause, and, and, I, and I hope this morning, I hope this morning that you can get caught up in this idea that it's not about you. It's not about me. You understand that, right? It's not about us. It's about the great God who has moved in our lives. This is the trouble. Too often we're willing to stand up there and take credit. We're not like those early disciples and apostles who would wrench at their clothes if someone would ever say, oh, great job. And they would say, no, I'm a sinner. It's the great God that's moving among us. This is the true message. This is why you can doodle in your notepad and get more revelation than you can get by listening to me. Because God is speaking, and I want you to hear that this morning. He is saying, go in my authority. The problem is, you see, that we can take this stuff like make disciples, baptizing and teaching, yes, and we can make it into our own agenda. We can make it to our own structure. We can do it in our own power. But it's never, ever, ever commanded that way in the Bible. He never, ever, ever says, go and do your best. Go and try a little harder. You know, go, go, and you know, if you just, you know, if you, if you could just be a better person, you, you could do more for me. If you could just, you know, act right. If you could just know more of the answers. It's not what Jesus sends his disciples out with. He sends his disciples out with this crazy message that he has absolute 100% authority to do anything he wants and he says, then go and make disciples of mine in my name. And there we go, right? We don't ever, here's the point. We shouldn't. I'm afraid we do. But we should not ever move on our own authority. There's a trap there. Doesn't it feel good sometimes to have some authority? After all the wishy-washiness, you know, 
after all the, this is part of the problem with how we, you know, go home and kick the dog. You know, we finally got control of something, it's the dog, <laughs> you know. Because you come out of a job where you got no control, you know. You might be in a relationship with your wife where you have no control. And you just get so frustrated and you take it out on something, your dog, your kids, those folks who are, you just, you just and, and there's that moment of exhilaration, God, save us from that. There's that moment where you're like, yes, I have authority, I can speak, and you listen. <laughs> it's never our call. We are stewards of God's creation. It's his authority. And we should never do anything of our own authority. And this is the trouble, and I'm speaking here as a Christian in a Christian walk. This doesn't make any sense if you don't believe in Jesus. But if you profess to believe in Jesus, the living God, you should never be moving in your life under your own authority. And I don't care. You say, well, I'm not in pastoral ministry or I'm not a pastor. I, I, just, I just go down here to the, you know, the corner store. Or I, just, I, I just stay home with my kids. I don't know. Everything you do is, is uh, instructed and fed by your Savior who's moved in your life. And this becomes our witness. Your pastors, your, your shepherds, your preachers, your proclaimers of the good news to others around you. And this becomes a breakdown if we're doing it on our own authority because it fails every time. fails every time. So there you have it, you see, why we're sent out as disciples. <laughs> Sheep among wolves. It's not our authority. We find ourselves, maybe, maybe you find yourself broken down in that moment, crying out to the great God and saying, why am I here? What are you doing with me on this deal? Why did you put this person in my life? Why can't I control my anger? Or why can't I control, you know, my, my, my desire for control or authority? You can ask these, have these conversations with God. And then here's the, here's the, here's the last of it, and, and we're going to get back to this. It says here in verse 20, the end of verse 20, Jesus makes a promise. He says, and surely... And that means absolutely, certainly, guaranteed, no doubt about it, I am with you always. And that always means every day, total days, every day, all these, for eternity, right? To the very end of the age. And the funny thing about being at the end of the, end of the age, it means to the edge of eternity. The age means this eon, this time. He, he's saying, I am never, ever, ever leaving you. And so if you look at this text again, I want you to look at your Bibles. If you look at the text again, I had some, and I wish I knew where I heard this from, this idea that the Great Commission is, is encapsulated in a great promise. You see, because right before he says, go and make disciples, he says, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. So it's based in Jesus Christ. And then he ends it, not by saying, go and do what I commanded you, but by saying, and I guarantee you that I am always, always, always with you to the very end of eternity. All of a sudden, the Great Commission becomes doable. You understand that? You see that? I mean, it's encapsulated in the promise of Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ were not surrounding this promise, it would have no power in the world. We could not go and baptize folks in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That means immersing continually. We could not teach any truth because if Jesus Christ were not here with us now, if he were not there with full authority after the grave, we would have no right, no ability, and no success in the world proclaiming the gospel. It's encapsulated in the power of Jesus Christ. This promise comes from the one who has overcome death. And I still think, oh, it's been a long time ago, right? I was watching something this week about people who, you know, die and come back. We got stuff figured out with science now. We can figure out that death is a continuum. 
this guy, this is back before we had great stuff to save people, you know, patches, and we can't shock them back to life. And this guy stands up among them, and they're just like, and we're still shocked today, even with all our technology, we bring people back from death, right? But this is a whole different thing with Jesus Christ. And he's standing there, and he's proclaiming a message of full authority. And here it is. We never do it on our own authority because it's Jesus' authority in the world. I want to tell you, that it lets you off the hook, but it keeps you on the hook because you're a follower of Jesus. And then we never do it alone. And this is another great sin I think we have. Is it's just going to be me and you going against the world. And you turn on everyone in your life. You turn on your spouse, you turn on your kids. And I can guarantee you that before God called you into a relationship with him, he placed you in a context. He placed you with people that you have to engage with and you have to deal with. And we like to say, oh no, God called us out of here. Well, no, I'm afraid he didn't. He stuck you right where you are. That's not something we want to hear. Because you don't know this person, Lord. Oh, he does. He knows where you are. He knows what he's called you out of. He knows the struggles you've had in life. He knows the pains you've had in life. He knows the ways that you fail every day. And this is why Jesus, you see, never leaves us alone. The bus ride with this guy who just made a mess of my faith life. I felt like I was put to, I had a faith life of toothpicks, just glued, just, or a house of cards. And, and, and in one moment, this guy who I totally blamed God for bringing in my life just decimated the deck. It just all started to get shaky and funny and weird. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And I can tell you, I remember it was three weeks, three weeks of anguish, three weeks of not being so joyous anymore about being a follower of Jesus Christ when I was around brothers and sisters. They're all like, isn't it great? And I'm like, yeah, it hurt, you know. And I'll tell you the message that came back after three weeks, of course, Jesus is enough. You see, the only way you would think Jesus Christ, dead on the cross, raised from the grave, is not enough is if you did not believe that he was fully God and fully man. But the gospel that we believe, the gospel that we profess and proclaim to the world, is one of God who came and dwelt among us and died on the cross sinless for your sins, sinless for my sins. And whenever we stand before the great, the great judgment seat of the living God, we will stand not as our own, but as Jesus Christ. Do you understand the gospel message this morning? This will be our, our final moment before the living God, proclaiming Christ as our Savior in that moment, his sinlessness for our sin. And I started to get this conviction deep in my soul. Jesus is enough. And I started to do dumber and dumber things. Because Jesus is enough. And I started to quit my job and go to school. Because Jesus is enough. I started to let my spouse, you know, off the hook on some stuff. Because Jesus is enough. So I'm riding the bus. I don't have my Bible out anymore because, <laughs> you know, those things can wear you out. Those conversations. And this guy comes up and he sits beside me and he says, hey, You've been thinking about what I was talking about? I said, yeah. So what do you think? And I said, brother, Jesus is enough. And I began to witness to him. And we still have an ongoing relationship. I still see this guy out in public sometimes. He'll say, what do you think now? Jesus is enough, man. I, I don't understand how you don't know that. I don't understand how you think you're going to earn it. I think you're going to get there without the salvation of God himself. And this is the gospel message that we proclaim 
He's enough for you. He's enough for me. He's enough for your situation. He's enough for all the fear you have. He's enough for all the, un the uncertainty of life. He's enough. The great commission with the great promise of Jesus will just drive the church straight through the book of Acts because they were still believing that Jesus is enough. Let's pray together. Father God, we, we, uh, we pray today that that's our heart's cry, that if there's those areas of doubt, you know, in our heart, man, we, we're not sure if you can be trusted, that you would, as the living God, that you would speak into that place. That there's a situation, Lord, that we got to let go of, that we, we want control over, that you would come in and let us know, Lord, that you are in control there. And we can rest assured. Pray, Father God, today that deeply, deeply in our beings, we would remember what you did, who you are, and that you are more, more than enough for anything that we're dealing with in life, anything that we're dealing with in death, anything that we're dealing with for all eternity. And may you get the glory and honor now and forever. Amen. See, this is kind of funny because...